You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The Grilly True Sports Network. I'm your host for the NFL show, Mike Goodpaster, and I want to welcome NFL beat writer and Manscaped user extraordinaire, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? I'm doing great, too. Manscaped.com, promo code TGT20, 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. All right, last night we had an exhilarating matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens, and I mean, I don't know. The Ravens don't have the toughest schedule in the world here, but I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, Sam. Yeah, they're out of the playoff picture at this point, and they've had trouble throwing the ball, and that continued last night. I mean, Lamar Jackson only threw the ball 17 times, 12 completions, but really, they ran the ball extremely well. They had like 294 rushing yards against Dallas, which isn't anything new. Dallas hasn't been able to stop the run all year. It's just a question of can you carry that over against a team like Cleveland this coming week but they played them on Monday Night Football. If you can beat Cleveland, then I think they'll make the playoffs. If you lose to Cleveland, you're probably done. Yeah, and if you look at this, Lamar Jackson had three touchdowns, two through the air, 107 yards, 12 of 17. The thing that would really worry me was probably five of those 12 completions were great catches that were overthrows. There were some There was some catches like that, but there are also some really good throws. The one to Marquise Brown at the back of the end zone was a nice throw. And really, there were some decent ones in there. But I think the question for Baltimore is, what's the identity of this offense now? Because looking back, they are, I think, 14-0 and 0 is the stat when Lamar Jackson throws for fewer than 24 attempts per game. So if you're Baltimore, I think at this point, you got to stop throwing with Lamar. you got to really commit to something similar to what the Patriots are doing right now, where you're running the ball primarily, and you're throwing kind of just a little complimentary piece here and there. Yeah, but the problem with that is you're limited to what you can do come playoff time. Well, exactly. I don't think it's a deep playoff team. Don't get me wrong. I think this could. I think they can make the playoffs. Still, I think they're probably still going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to make a deep run here. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram combined for a whopping 161 yards in the opening 30 minutes. Average 10.1 yards per carry, and the Cowboys are just the Cowboys. They're just not very good. I didn't think Andy Dalton played that bad, but uh, there's not much here for Dallas anymore. No, there was that one interception Dalton had was on a tip ball. And really, you can't blame him for that. It's kind of the same thing happened to Big Ben the other day. But you look at it, they still have Malcolm, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. They have Mark Cooper. They have all these weapons, but the offensive line is so beat up. Zach Martin's now hurt. He's not even playing for them at the moment. You already lost Tyron something in the Collins earlier this year. Travis Frederick retired. I mean, there's so many issues here on the offensive line, and the defense just isn't that good. The defense is awful. Well, I think the biggest issue is Kellen Moore. I mean, he keeps calling pass plays for Andy Dalton. He threw the ball 22 times in the first half. And this is why Ezekiel Elliott's averaging over five yards per carry in the first half, but just 10 carries. Yeah, and Zeke hasn't had a tremendous year, but when he's hot, I think you need to feed him, especially against a team like Baltimore, who's trying to run you and trying to grind you down with the run. You don't have to throw the ball 50 times a game to beat Baltimore because they're running. They're taking their time. They're being patient. You should probably do the same thing, especially Ezekiel Elliott is hot. Because when he is hot, he could still be a top five running back. All right, Sam, let's go ahead and check out your NFL power rankings. I guess you're controlling this one. Number one, the New Orleans Saints. Number two, Kansas City. Three, Buffalo. Four, Green Bay. Five, the Rams. 
Um, I think the Rams are too high. Um, Kansas City, I think, should be number one right now just because if you're going right now power rankings, I don't think there's any way in hell the New Orleans Saints with Taysom Hill would beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I thought the same thing to some degree, but the Saints, that defense right now is probably playing with the best defense in the NFL. I mean, for, for the last five weeks, maybe just counting this past weekend, they were holding teams to 4.2 yards per play. And to give you a perspective, the worst team in the NFL, the worst offense in the NFL in New York, just were averaging 4.7 yards per play. So the Saints were taking every team they played against, every offense they played against, and making them worse than the New York Jets with Sam Darrell and Joe Flacco. No, they weren't. You do that. I don't know if you could do that to Patrick Mahomes. You probably wouldn't be able to get to that extent. But I still think that's quite a quite an achievement for the Saints defense. And with Taysom Hill, I agree with Taysom Hill. I don't know. I think it would be much closer than people would anticipate, even with Hill and the quarterbacks. I'm not I'm not talking about close. I'm just talking about Kansas City wins that game nine times out of ten. If Drew Brees is there and Drew Brees is healthy, I would say the Saints are number one. The Bills at three, Packers at four, Rams at five. I'm still not real sure about the Rams. Hell, I'm not sure about the Packers. It's just a nine and three is hard to overlook. Buffalo, you still have to be concerned about the defense. Same thing with Green Bay and stopping the run. Yeah, both those. I mean, also with Buffalo, their own running game is a little bit of a concern for me. I know that Eric and jo- Aaron Jones can run the ball in Green Bay. They have options there. I don't think Buffalo with Devin Singletary really does. But if you look down the line, I mean, there are not many teams that will say they all have flaws. I mean, they all have obvious flaws to me. Every one of these teams does. So you kind of have a little miss here. Where I think there's a chance numbers three through six or three through seven. You could probably, maybe even three through eight, you could probably flip all those teams around and still get a decent ranking because there are so many flaws here. Green Bay, I have it for just because I really trust Aaron Rodgers in the way he's playing right now. Josh Allen, that three, the same thing. I trust the quarterbacks for those two teams. And for the Rams, I obviously I don't trust the quarterback with, Jer- with Jerry Goff. I really don't. The defense is one of the top three in the NFL right now. Yeah, but that defense being top three makes it hard to put them down that low. I would have Buffalo ahead of them. Uh, really, I can't see moving the Rams up. I think the Rams, if anything, are a little high because I think the Titans are better than the Rams. Yeah, I was kind of going back and forth. My big issue with Tennessee is they have Derrick Henry, so they have a better run game than the Rams. They have Ron Taylor, a better quarterback than the Rams. The receivers will call them about equal. My main concern with Tennessee is that defense is not good. Uh, Jared David Clown is done for the year, so you have maybe your best run-stopping defensive player. He's done. The only star player on that defense right now, I think, is Jeffrey Simmons' defensive tackle. Other than that, you don't have a key player at any position on this Tennessee defense. Maybe Kevin Byer, but he hasn't been an all-pro in two or three years. So to me, the defense of Tennessee is just so bad, I don't know if I can put them ahead of the Rams. Yeah, and my other thing is, you got the Steelers number nine, Sam. Yeah, I look. I'm being realistic with the rankings here. I'm still going to pick them to win every game this year. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh every game until the wheels fall off. But I do have them drop down a little bit and significantly so because I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying not to be biased here. I still think there are serious flaws in Pittsburgh. I don't really trust the offense. They can't run the ball. Can't throw the ball deep. They haven't thrown the ball deep in two or three weeks. And I think with the injuries, Bud Dupree and the like that. There's questions, Devin Bush. I mean, there's questions on the defense as we go down the stretch. Well, especially because you saw how they got worn down by Washington late in the second half in that game. And Robert Spillane, the guy who's actually filled in really well for Devin Bush, he's going to miss some time here because he got a little bit of knee injury there. It's not season ending. He's going to come back. But he's going to miss two or three games here. So suddenly you're talking about you're down to what, your, your third-string linebacker that spot? It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a bit of a mess here. And when they get everyone healthy, we'll see if they can make a run in the playoffs. I don't know, but it's not going to look good here for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think the other issue with that, we talked about it before with the Bud Dupree injury, it just kills your rotation because your number three guy may be a starter now, 
but your backups might even be guys that weren't even on the roster up until this point. No, they're probably practice squad players. You're probably elevating guys up who haven't seen much playing time this year. And suddenly your rotation, which was really deep all before, is now very thin. And you have guys who haven't had the reps, who haven't had the experience in the practice. And that just erodes what was one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's a point now where injuries are really coming, becoming concerning. I don't know what Joe Hayden's going to be like. Joe Hayden suffered a little bit of an injury late last game. We'll see how that works out. Well, and I think Tampa Bay should be much lower. I would put Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis all above them. Really? I would, you go that far I, with Tampa Bay? I would put Seattle above them. I would put them at, like, number 11. And I think this. I think Tampa Bay could be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. But I think from right now, what they have done, they've lost three of their past four games. I don't see how you move them up three spots by a bye week when they've lost three of the four <laughs> previous games. Yeah, I have them at 10, which sounds much more like where you would like them to be in the rankings. But I had them at 10 last week. I moved them up, one, because Pittsburgh kind of – he kind of hit the wall I saw coming. Cleveland has jumped up quite a bit, so Cleveland was actually new to this spot. The Colts had it at 11, so they kind of actually moved up as well. Seattle fell down quite a bit, and that's because, I mean, the Seahawks got shut down. When Russell well, wait, Wilson wait a you just said that you dropped the Steelers because you saw this coming. But when I picked the Redskins starting last week to win this game, you openly mocked me on the show. I did. I did openly mock you. And I'll openly mock you when you pick the Bills and when you pick the Colts and when you're wrong in both those situations. I'm not going to be wrong in both of those situations. And you know I'm not, which is why you have dropped them down as far as you have dropped them. Yeah, you'll probably be right in at least one of those games. But I'm still going to pick Pittsburgh in either of those. And we're going to see how it plays out. I think Tampa Bay, it's, it's so weird to me because Tampa Bay, like I said, it's a very talented team. They're too talented to miss the playoffs. And I think you're right. Cleveland could probably beat them in head-to-head. I don't know about Pittsburgh and Seattle. I really don't because Pittsburgh and Seattle, they have their own flaws. They kind of play into Tampa Bay's strengths, in my opinion. So I don't know how, it would match up, how that matchup would play out. Yeah, I, I think this. I think overall Tampa Bay is going to continue to get better. They may not. I have nothing to base that on other than the fact that Tom Brady is the quarterback. It Tom really Brady, is. And the problem is I base that on Tom Brady being the quarterback, but I probably base it on if Bill Belichick was the coach also. Because there is a huge divide between Bill Belichick and Bruce Arians. They're not even in the same stratosphere when it comes to coaching football. They're not on the same plane. And like it's it's, no. such, it's such a huge difference between those two guys. I mean, obviously, there's very few coaches who would ever even approach the level of Bill Belichick if anyone ever has. So that difference uh-huh. there is huge. And we've talked about the game playing, the scheming for this kind of stuff. Tim Bay and Brady doesn't look like it fits so far. There are issues there. Well, and I think this. I think the issues are going to be with Bruce Arians. Does Bruce Arians adjust this more to what Tom Brady wants to do, or does he continue to try to enforce what he wants done? Because if he continues to enforce what he wants done, I can see him missing the playoffs. I think if he acquiesces to Brady a little bit and gives in and lets this turn more into a Tom Brady-style offense, I think they could make a Super Bowl run. I think they're kind of lucky, actually, with the way the season ends here because they have Minnesota this coming week. That could be a bit of a tough game. We've seen the Vikings play well the past couple of weeks, but after that, they get Atlanta twice and Detroit. So that's a fairly decent, that's a fairly easy end of season schedule there for a team. Well, that, if they were playing, I think Detroit's dangerous as hell because I think that Detroit, with a better coach, would have been in play probably with seven wins right now. I think coaching is what killed them. Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. You've got a team that is playing to spite, you know, Matt Patricia. So when you look at that, I think that's dangerous. And if all of a sudden you drop and you go, you end up nine and seven, then you've got serious issues. I think this Minnesota game 
the whole season rides on this for Tampa Bay because I think if they lose this game, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. If they win it, I think they will. I mean, losing to Minnesota, that'd be, I mean, that'd be huge. Also for Minnesota, because Minnesota's in the playoff picture right now is a wild card spot. They get that win. Suddenly you're looking at Tampa Bay and their wild card situation. And suddenly they're both at seven and six. And the Vikings will have the tiebreaker there. And Tampa Bay is suddenly on the fringes of losing their spot here. And like I said, Detroit could be dangerous. We saw Atlanta put up a fight, at least against the Raiders earlier this year. And so there's some, some questionable games here. I think Buccaneers will finish this year strong, but if things go bad, they're going to go bad well, really. Well, how about well. this, Sam? Is it if it wasn't for the t- fact that Tom Brady has done what Tom Brady has done, I would definitely pick Minnesota to win this game because I think they're better. Let me put it this way: if, if it was a Philip Rivers or something like that at quarterback for Tampa Bay, I would absolutely pick Minnesota. No, I'm just saying Tom Brady without the history in New England. Yeah, I yeah. mean, right now I would lean towards Tampa Bay just because of that. But if you look at the two teams, Mike Zimmer appear Bruce Arians here you know Kirk Cousins is playing better than Tom Brady is right now I know that's sacrilegious to say but just in the last month Kirk Cousins has been as good as anybody Dalvin Cook is as good as anybody and Dalvin Cook can control this game by running it you've got Justin Jefferson at wide receiver I would say this if I was being completely honest and my team was in the NFC and they were a playoff team I would rather play Tampa Bay right now in Minnesota. Well, I can see that because Tampa Bay looks like a team that hasn't found their identity yet, and Minnesota does. Minnesota knows exactly what they're doing. Because Kirk Cousins, they, they were really lost, let's admit, the first six games of the year. Minnesota was lost. They had no idea what they were doing. And they've really yeah. figured it out here down the stretch. Kirk Cousins, like you said, is playing better than Tom Brady. Dalvin Cook is the second best running back in the NFL behind Derrick Henry. And Justin Jefferson could win Rookie of the Year ahead of Justin Herbert. I think he should win Rookie of the Year. I think he has been hands down since Joe Burrow got hurt, the best rookie in football. And I think even if Burrow didn't get hurt, if Minnesota makes a playoff run, Justin Jefferson is a huge reason why. If Justin Jefferson's not there, Mike Zimmer loses his job by the time this season's over. Now, he still might if they tank at the end, but Justin Jefferson was a huge pick for them. Yeah, and talk about Philadelphia. One pick earlier taking Jalen Rieger from TCU instead of Justin Jefferson. That makes it look that much worse. He's currently fourth in the NFL with 1,039 receiving yards. DK Metcalf leads the NFL with 1,119. So Justin Jefferson's been huge, especially with Adam Thielen taking a little bit of a step back and losing Stephon Diggs. I mean, Minnesota really got lucky with that pick there. It was a great selection. Yeah, so I think in the end, that selection is going to save Mike Zimmer's job. Um, What do we got up next here? We've got... Baltimore, we we like 11 and 12. Yeah, Seattle 11, Baltimore 12, Las Vegas 13. We're getting down here to teams that I don't think have a chance in hell now. I know that you thought, and I thought earlier in the season, Seattle had a really good chance, but it's not so much even the defense with them. The offensive line is just bad. And when you watch them play Seattle, I mean, they run the ball all right, but as you said in your article, Pete Carroll seems to abandon it too early. And this is the opposite of what Pete Carroll used to do. It used to be he'd run the ball so much, you'd think, man, you got Russell Wilson. Why don't you let him throw it? Now he's switched all the way to the other end of the spectrum, and it's just the exact opposite. Yeah, the issue used to be you would run the ball for quarters, and then you'd be down by 10 points, and you'd be like, oh, Russell Wilson, please save us. Please bail us out. And now it's a situation where you're running, you have a lead, but you keep throwing the ball. And you get three and out, you get three and out over and over again, and you don't run the ball. You have no ground presence whatsoever. So when you need it late in the game, it's not there because you haven't been doing it all game. 
I think Seattle, the offensive line, like you mentioned, outside Dwayne Brown at left tackle, it's basically a revolving door. Guys getting hurt, guys getting plugged in. There's a bunch of inexperienced players there. A lot of them have been career backups in other spots. The offensive line is just a mess, and I don't think it's going to improve. And it's part of the reason why Russell Wilson has struggled here down the stretch. All right, 12 and 13. I would have Minnesota and New England at 12 and 13. Where do I miss? I'm Minnesota 15, I New England 16. You would move them up that high? Yeah, I would move them up that high. Right now, Minnesota and New England are dangerous. And we're going to find out about New England for sure when they go to L.A. and play the Rams. Uh, Jared Goff will be looking for a little bit of payback there. But don't sleep on the Patriots. The Vikings go to Tampa Bay. I mean, if both of these teams win, they're in the stratosphere where they're playing as good as anybody right now. Because haven't the Patriots won like three or four games in a row? Pull up right now. The Patriots have won... Uh, three of their last five of their last uh, so four of the last five games. Four of the last five games. The only Six. loss in the last five games is to the Texans. And the thing is, this three or four weeks ago, or five weeks ago, after they lost really badly, I forget who. We actually looked at the schedule, wondered if they could get Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, it was we the, the had a hard time finding a win. Game. Yeah, I mean, so when you do that, and a team all of a sudden starts to win all these games. That's directly because the coach is so good. I would go 12-13, those two teams. I would go Miami at 14. I'd go Vegas at 15. I'd go Ravens at 16. Yeah, I thought you might change it around a little bit. I thought you would have Vegas over Baltimore. And I can understand why you put that way because Baltimore's not throwing the ball that well. I have Vegas now a little bit lower because, I mean, let's face it, they, don't, they got beaten bad by Atlanta. They barely beat the Jets. And the Raiders and Baltimore, both, both those teams at this point to me, are probably going to miss the playoffs. They have a shot here. I still get Baltimore a chance because of their schedule, but they're they're looking less and less like playoff teams every week. Well, with the Raiders, though, we have seen them look like a playoff team. I don't know that Baltimore has really looked like a playoff team all year, even when they won games early. And let's see, what's their what's their best win this year? I mean, the best win this year might actually be the week one against Cleveland, now that you're looking at it back then. But that's changed a lot since then. Yeah, a lot of things have changed. It's really the only other big win they've had is against uh, the Colts, twenty four ten, and that was I think six or seven weeks ago at this point. Yeah, and if you look at the Raiders, they've got the Colts, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Broncos. You figure they should win the Broncos and Charger games, but who knows in the NFL these days? So I think it comes down to you've got to split the games between the Dolphins and the Colts. If you can win one out of those two, you get in the playoffs. If you lose them both then you're probably done. If you lose either one at a Charger or Broncos game, I think you're done. So I think all these teams are kind of in the same stratosphere right now where one bad loss, and that's pretty much it for them. Well, yeah, and that has huge implications for the Dolphins and for the Colts because they're also fighting for wild card spots. I think you mentioned it, numbers 12 through, I'll say, 16 to me, they're all in the same spot, really. You could change them up, mess those teams around. They're really not much different to me because they have strengths here. They have weaknesses. See, I think, I think they're, they're all going to be – I think the big thing is the Patriots and Vikings have a couple strengths that make them really dangerous. I don't see where the Baltimore Ravens have a strength that makes them dangerous. They can run the ball. In the playoffs, a good team is just going to, like the Titans did last year, just sit on it and stop it. With the Patriots, you've got a solid defense. They run the ball. They're well-coached. With the Vikings, they're well-coached. They could throw it, Dalvin, or throw it with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I mean, they can run the ball with Dalvin Cook. I think that makes those two teams infinitely better than the Baltimore Ravens in Vegas because the Ravens in Vegas, I mean, Vegas just doesn't have enough weapons for Derek Carr yet, and the Ravens don't have the ability to throw the ball down the field, really. 
But do you know, does New England? I know New England has Bill Belichick. That gives them the advantage. I'm not saying it doesn't. But they can't throw the ball down the field either. They have less than 100 passing yards in both their last two games, I'm pretty sure. But my point is this. I think special teams-wise and defensively, they're better than those other two teams. They're better than the Raiders and the Bravens. I, I watched the Ravens' defense. I think they've got they've got major issues on defense. I haven't thought at any point they were one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. I think everybody is used to the Ravens being so good on defense. That's why they put it there. 17-18, Giants, Redskins. I think this should be flipped. I think it should be Redskins, Giants. Really? Now I'm interested to hear this reason. I think the Giants are playing really well at the run game, and Gibson's going to be out for a little while for Washington. It's very close. Like Honestly, it is extremely close here which is something I didn't expect late in the season, but they are really like neck here. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Is Alex Smith a difference maker for you? Yes. I mean, he's a big-time difference maker. He's a guy that's played in playoff games. He's won playoff games. That is my difference. That and the fact that the Washington Redskins, I just like to say that just because I feel like I'm doing something illegal, their defensive line is so good that they could control a football game. Super Bowl forty two. The Giants won the Super Bowl that year, not because of Eli Manning or, you know, any other great thing. They won it because they had a defensive line rotation of six or seven guys that just kind of broke you down and wore you out. And when you look at it, that's a huge thing to have. When you have a dominant offensive line or a dominant defensive line, you got a shot. And that dominant defensive line may be able to keep them from getting in shootouts that they can't keep up with. That's my difference between Washington and the Giants. My difference is this. I think Washington's defense is better just because of the D-line. A dominant defensive line is a hard thing to deal with. And with the Redskins, Alex Smith, I mean, come on, Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones, I'll take <laughs> Alex Smith. Yeah, I can agree with you on that part at least. But I think you might be underestimating New York's defensive line just a little bit. I'm not. Have I'm not. I think, the, I think the Giants have a really good defense. The other thing that I'm not underestimating is I think the Redskins have the easier schedule the rest of the way. And I think if the Redskins played the Giants, the Redskins' defensive line would win them the game right now. Alex Smith, the quarterback. Was Alex Smith the quarterback the first time they played? I can look that up. I don't think he was. He wasn't. That would have been early in the year. Alex Smith makes all the difference in the world. He's not a great quarterback, but he is an above-average veteran quarterback that has played you know, in championship games before. That's hard to overlook when you compare it to Colt McCoy, who he's played so long, he might have played in a championship game. But Daniel Jones, whose biggest game he ever played was probably going to Clemson and getting spanked 55 to nothing. <laughs> really, you're, you're right about that. The experience level there is huge. And New York is currently fourth in rushing yards allowed per game. Their defense is fourth, Washington 10th. And then you flip it around, look at the sack totals. Washington, third in sacks. New York is, I think, 10th or 7th in sacks. All right, next up, 19, Arizona, 20, San Francisco. I'll tell you, I'd rather play Arizona right now than San Francisco. Well, because Arizona's – I feel like Arizona's playing from the top down at this point where San Francisco's looking up as, like, the underdog mentality. And maybe that's why. 
because I feel like the underdogs are a little more dangerous here. Them and teams like even like Minnesota just feel a little more dangerous. I think, I think they're more dangerous because they've got Kyle Shanahan, who is infinitely better than Cliff Kingsbury. I think the way this ends is Cliff Kingsbury probably being fired at the end of next year. Yeah, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs next year, then they're behind schedule because it was predicted they could make the playoffs this year. And if you don't do next year, it's, it's got to be over. I think what you'll see is this. I think the Rams are always going to be good. McVay's a solid coach. Seattle's got Russell Wilson. The 49ers are going to be healthy. Arizona's going to be fourth next year and win at most five games. That's going to get him fired. And it will be the best thing to ever happen to Kyler Murray if they get the proper coach there. Yeah, because you look at the young coaches in the NFL. I mean, talk about the ones who have not been as successful. Kingsbury, Zach Taylor, those kind of guys. We got look at Sean McVay, Kyle Shannon. They've been to Super Bowls already. They've already gotten there as head coaches. The other two haven't. Yeah, and the other two never will. I mean, it's just a fact. 21 to Carolina Panthers. Overall, I think this has been a successful year for him with what's been going on. I think the future is bright there. I think Houston has a bright future. They just need a good draft, a good offseason with free agency. Atlanta at 23. They need to fire Raheem Morris. He's not the answer. I think the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford and a new coach should sit up somewhere between the 19 to 21 range. I think they did prove a lot against Chicago. I will give them that. I'm just a little less optimistic they're going to be able to carry the momentum going forward. Because sometimes you have, I mean, we saw Atlanta. Atlanta got up for their coach, beat the Raiders, and then immediately fell apart against the Saints. I'm a little bit worried that's going to happen with Detroit. Yeah, but then the Falcons came back and blew out the Raiders, so they won two out of three games there. So I'm, they I'm, did, not, I'm not going to read too much into it just because they lost to the Saints. Everybody loses to the Saints. And when I look at the Lions, their schedule's a bitch. They may not win another game. I mean, they're going to play the Packers. I think they could win that game. They're going to go to Tennessee. They're going to host Tampa Bay. They're going to host Minnesota. They're probably going 0-4 the rest of the way. But I'm telling you this. Um, I'm not a big Bevel fan as an offensive coordinator. We'll see what happens here. I think Detroit will end up with a completely new coach. But I think they do have weapons. I think they can be a dangerous team. Didn't you pick Detroit to make the playoffs earlier this offseason? I feel like you did. No, I didn't. But I, I also said they would be third, not fourth, because I picked Chicago last, and you mocked me. I did. I think I did about that, but maybe that's what I was thinking about. You had some Detroit take earlier this season. Well, my Detroit take, I think, was this. I, I think the take was that I thought they actually had a team that could make the playoffs, but Matt Patricia sucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that part, the second part, I think everyone knew going into the year. He still is the head coach for some reason. 25, not anymore. Denver, 26, Chicago, 27, the Chargers. The Chargers, Anthony Lynn, I was a fan of. He needs to be fired. He should have already been fired. That loss to the Patriots was an absolute embarrassment. And I think Justin Herbert has turned out to be what Justin Herbert was to me, which is when I watched him in Oregon, he's a front runner. And he's a front runner in the NFL. If everything's going great, he's playing great. Now, you know, I know you lost Derwin James, but this is still better than a three and nine team that lost 49 to nothing to the Patriots or 45 to nothing to the Patriots when they probably have infinitely better talent than the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a lot of coaching. I think Justin Herbert can still develop into a good starting quarterback. I think he is still a solid quarterback. You look at the years as a whole. My issue really is the coaching at this point. You cannot go out there and get out coached by I mean, Bill Budget 45 nothing. This team is infinitely more talented than the New England Patriots this year. It should not be 45 to nothing. 
the Patriots should not be able to score 20 points in this team. Actually, there's no team that the Chargers should lose 245 to nothing if you just go off a of talent. Denver, I think, are playing better. You know, they put up a fight against Kansas City. I'm not sure, so sure Fangio should be gone or if maybe John Elway is the problem in Denver, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's probably John Elway. I mean, look at the quarterbacks he's drafted the past couple of years. Yeah, not going to get better if you keep drafting those quarterbacks. Yeah, their defense is good enough. They got enough weapons. If they had an actual quarterback, this is probably a six and six or seven and five team. Which honestly isn't that bad. I mean, you could probably turn that around if you have a rookie quarterback, but you're not going to get one the way he drafts. 28 to Jacksonville Jaguars, 29 to Philadelphia Eagles. I guess you're ranking Jacksonville off the fact that they lose close games all the time. Philadelphia, 29. I still think Deuce Staley will be the coach there by next year. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like from my hearing now, there's actually talking Doug Peterson might not want to be in Philadelphia anymore. And it sounds like he's butting heads with the GM, some of the ownership group a little bit. So there's a sound like he just might decide to leave. He might just decide to resign after this year and maybe take a year off and then go find our job elsewhere, or maybe just go immediately right into another job. But, I mean, this is Jalen Hurts, Carlson Wentz. This whole thing's messed up Philadelphia. To some degree, I don't know if it's fixable. All right, next up, we go with the three worst coast teams in football. Mike McCarthy at 30, Zach Taylor at 31, and Adam Gase at 32. And right now, I'm not so sure that the Bengals shouldn't be 32, but that Bengals-Cowboys matchup of the 30th and 31st ranked team should be a classic. Oh, yeah, that's going to be one everyone wants to tune in and watch and see which coach gets fired first. You know, that might end up 6-3. to three. It could. <laughs> it really could. And yeah. you'll see how many turnovers in that game. Uh, well, it doesn't really. They may not even turn the ball over. They may just go three and out the whole game. You got to give them point. Yeah. So, what the hell? Anything you want to say about these bottom three teams? Uh, nothing about these bottom three. But do you ever think? Do you ever think that Jalen Hurts has a chance to be successful in his first start when he's going to play the New Orleans Saints? Because I don't think there's any way in hell he's going to have a chance in being starting after this week. I think the way the play calling has gone in Philadelphia. It doesn't matter if he played the New York Jets. He's probably not going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm just saying. It's the Saints, the best defense in the NFL right now. I mean, do you really want to put your rookie quarterback in his first start against the Saints? It's not going to work. Um, actually, like I said, the way they've been calling plays there with Doug Peterson, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that it matters right now. You might as well find out what you got with him. I think Doug Peterson's open. Maybe if he wants to keep his job, then maybe Jalen Hurts will come in and light a spark and then everybody will leave his ass alone. Maybe, but he's also backed Carson Wentz quite a lot this year. Maybe he's thinking, oh, Jalen Hurts will play poorly and then I can put Carson Wentz back on a pedestal. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a little COVID hypocrisy. And if we're going to do that, let's talk about Des Bryant who announced he tested positive for COVID-19 just 30 minutes before his much-anticipated reunion with the Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday night. And I guess that they pulled him from warming up so he could get tested. And then they said that he had tested inconclusive Tuesday morning, but the results came back Tuesday night that he was positive. Does this make any sense to you? So the way it was explained to me is usually you wouldn't get those test results back until Wednesday morning because of how the facilities work. Usually it takes a day to get back because Baltimore's facility is so close to the team in Baltimore, they get it back in the evening. 
and his return result came back inconclusive, but then you pull him off the field, he does one of the rapid tests, and he comes back positive. I, I don't understand how there wasn't more guys pulled that game. I don't understand. Like, if you're thinking this is whole serious, this whole serious mythology at all is, how is the game allowed to go on when Fez was on the field warming up with his teammates? I just don't – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me how this all worked out. Well, according to the league's COVID-19 policy, close contact does not include brief interactions such as walking past someone. But I'm pretty sure that Des Bryant probably sat in the locker room to get dressed with his teammates. Yeah, I think he was hanging out with guys on the field before the game and stuff like that. So I, I just don't understand. I don't quite understand how you go back and you say – there's no one in close contact. We're not going to take anyone else off the field. It's just going to be Dez. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me how he's the only guy in this situation that is affected. Yeah. And, and you know the other thing that bothers me about this? The thing that really bothers me is the fact that all these million-dollar leagues and organizations can take, like, thousands of tests a week, get the results back within 24 hours, but yet you have people that work in hospitals that have to wait three or four days to get a test result back. And sometimes they're told to not even worry about testing because I know where I live. You're, if you go there and you're sick, they tell you, go back home. If it gets really bad, we'll come back and test you, but there's no reason to test. I mean, some places just don't have the access or they, they can't afford it. And it is a little bit, I mean, it's how money works though. Like money speaks, right? You get all these teams, all these billionaires, they all have access to this kind of stuff that you won't as a normal person, as a normal citizen. Yeah. And let's face it, there's been probably what? How many guys have tested positive in the NFL since the start of training camp? I don't know, probably a couple hundred at this point. And ones end up in the hospital? One or two, I think. Yeah. So in the end, why are we so worried about this shit anyways? I don't know. I mean, people, if like you, you said this yourself oh, a long time ago. It affects different people differently. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, there are yeah, people well, who are... But the thing oh, is this, the NFL, people that yeah. aren't old as hell, it doesn't really affect. I well, mean, we also look, have people who are overweight, people who have dealt with cancer in the league. You know what? If you're overweight, it does affect you differently. And there's a bunch of guys who are overweight in the NFL. Don't be a fat ass. But you know what? The guys who are overweight in the NFL are not out of shape. I think there's a big difference between being overweight and being in shape. A dude that's an offensive lineman at 6'7", 300 pounds is probably in pretty good shape. There's not too many sloppy fat guys anymore in the NFL. No, that's fair. But there are also some guys who are close to 340, 330. Those guys, no matter what, those guys are out of shape. You cannot live at 330, 340 for 10, 15 years. But weren't they given the option to opt out of the season? They were. They decided not to because they have to make the money. So play the game. Just play the game. I mean, this is the hypocrisy of this whole thing to me is if you're going to tiptoe and dance around all this stuff and move games all over the place it's less safe for a team to play three games in 12 days than it is to worry about getting covid to be fair that three day that three games in 12 days i'm pretty sure you play three games in 11 days if you were to play sunday sunday and then thursday well that makes it's it not like that was then. a big deal that makes it worse then yeah three and 11 uh, like, days is ludicrous it's stupid but it can happen any time during the regular season, even during non-COVID season, which, again, like you said, it's ludicrous. It's <laughs> ludicrous. Night games which goes back to my point that the NFL does not care about player safety. They pulled Des Bryant off the field to make a big show last night. Because if they really wanted to worry about player safety and they really worried about COVID, they'd have just shut the game down. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I agree. They would have. But you know how it is. 
They're not. Yeah. They already have the TV cameras rolling. They're not going to pull this. They're not going to stop the show. Yeah, money talks. I'm not saying that's right. That obviously isn't. But they're not going to stop the it's show. It's the same that. reason Ohio State. Even though there's a rule, you got to play six conference games to qualify for the Big Ten championship. Oh, they're going to get in. They're probably going to change that rule. They're going to change that rule. We're going to talk about it tomorrow night at eight o'clock on our NFL show, and or our college football show. And the thing that blows my mind is just a hypocrisy of everything. I mean, right now you dropped the Cincinnati Bearcats from seven to eight and moved Iowa State in front of them in the rankings last night. Iowa State beat Texas, who was ranked like 23rd. UC has to cancel a game against Tulsa and a game against Temple. They're still 8-0. They've still beaten like four or five teams that were ranked in the top 25. They are still the only team in the top 10 that has beat a group of teams with a winning record and yet nothing's going to happen. And why can't Ohio State play Indiana again this weekend in Indiana? You know, Coastal Carolina went and play, or played BYU. BYU was close to the top 10. They risked everything to play a good quality opponent. Why yeah, can't Ohio State, yeah, why can't Ohio State play Indiana? Because right now, they didn't play enough games. And you can say, well, they beat Indiana. They beat Indiana by one touchdown at Ohio State. Why don't we just say, hey, we'll play the game. If Indiana wins by seven or more, Indiana plays in a Big Ten championship game. And the other thing it would do is if they beat Indiana again and they blow them out, then I will then I can believe Ohio State should be a top four team. But right now, Ohio State doesn't have the best resume in the state of Ohio. No, they really don't. I mean, they have one win against the ranked team this year. and They've given up two or three. They've given up three or four scores to teams like a Penn State who hasn't made it all year. They get up three or four scores to Rutgers. They only beat India, like you said, by one touchdown. And Justin Fields with the three interceptions that game. Yeah. This is not, this is not a top four team right now. No. And they're the going like, to move out of the way. They're going to move heaven and earth to make sure they get into the hey, top. They four. started Ohio State at number four, I think. It was either three or four. And Ohio State has missed playing what? Two games in the last three weeks. They never get dropped for it. Indiana or Cincinnati, the Bearcats have to cancel a game against Temple. If they would have beat Temple 55 to nothing, they wouldn't have jumped Iowa State over them. But they jump Iowa State over them because Cincinnati didn't play a game. Well, why the hell aren't we jumping Texas A&M over Ohio State then? I mean, exactly. They're, they're trying Listen, they're trying to pigeonhole Ohio State in here as the top four team as much as possible. And the Big yeah. Ten, which by the way, the Big Ten, the people who are the presidents of these different conferences or different schools should be focusing on their schools winning and trying to do the best. Instead, they're focusing on what's best for the Big Ten. How can we get Ohio State, the gem, the only good program in this conference this year? How can hey, we get hey. Focusing Indiana. On, sorry about Indiana. Indiana. Sorry about Indiana. Damn, they beat but, them by one touchdown. You act like they I know, beat I know. 50. I know. But, you don't have your starting quarterback anymore. So it doesn't matter. The other kid is good, too. The other kid may possibly be more of an NFL prospect than Penix. Well, I'd be interested to see. Now, I do want to see that Indiana-Ohio State game rematch. I do want to see that again. Well, I mean, Penix threw for almost 500 yards against Ohio State. His last game against Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, who did they play before? Maryland? Was it? Yeah, was he Maryland struggled. Or? He was like 11 for 29. Yeah. And, I mean, he torched Ohio State. Ohio State's DBs are terrible. But this is an NFL show. We'll come back and talk college football tomorrow <laughs> night. Tomorrow, we will preview Thursday night's game, which is who, Sam? That's actually a really good question. I haven't even looked at next week yet. I was too busy focusing it's on the not next week. 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 It's tomorrow, Sam. It feels like next week already. Uh, it's uh, 
What is it? It's going to be New England, oh, Ram oh, it's the New England Rams game. Yeah, that's actually a really good game. So we will yeah, preview. We'll preview the Patriots and Rams tomorrow. We'll talk a little other NFL news. And also, I want to tell everybody the NFL Legends show will be back Friday morning. Um, I will have Buffalo Bills Hall of Famer Andre Reid on the show at 11 o'clock in the morning. Make sure you check it out there. It will be live on Facebook. And then it will only be available after the live airing on Roku. So you'll have to go to Roku, sign up free email account, and then it's $9.99 a month. And it gives you all creator there's content. So you know who Andre Reid is, Sam? I know who Andre Reid is, Mike. Have you seen Hoosiers yet? No, I, my, Mike, I made it quite clear. I'm not going to sit down and watch movies. I made it quite clear you needed to watch Hoosiers. You, you did really did. <laughs> well, then watch it. Kent Sterling even told you to watch it because as soon as you watch it, we're going to have Kent Sterling back on and we're going to talk to you about the show. All right, Mike. All right. You can follow Sam Teets at samteets33. You can also follow him there for all of his Manscaped adventures where <laughs> Sam does post daily as he manscapes a different part of his body every day. And no, he has never nicked his nuts. And you can go to manscaped.com, use the promo code TGT20, 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. You can follow me at Grilling Truth, but make sure you check us out on Rockfin. It's free to sign up with your email. Do it through the grueling truth. It helps us out, and it gives you access to a lot of content, unlike YouTube, that is uncensored. So for now, for Sam Teets, I'm Mike Goodpastor. You've been watching and listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.